0: Hebrews chapter 12 and we are going to begin reading in verse 3. When you got to say so I will wait because there wasn't enough souls there. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 3. When you got to say so All right, that sounds better. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls, you have not yet resisted the bloodshed striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chasten us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Verse 12 says, Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that you, for, so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather be healed. Father, we thank you. And we honor you today, Lord God, for your word that is truth. Father, we thank you because... Even though your word doesn't always tell us what we want to hear, it always shows us what we need to hear. And so, Lord, this morning we humble our hearts before you, Lord God, the author and the finisher of our faith. And Holy Spirit, we ask that even as you have moved among us this morning, that you would speak to our hearts today. That you would reveal yourself unto us today in a mighty and powerful way. And that you, Lord God, would glorify your name in the words that I will share today, Father God. I pray, dear Lord, that you would edify, that you would build up, and that you would glorify your name within the lives of every one of my brothers and sisters here, beginning with myself. And we thank you and we give you glory for all of this. In the name of Jesus, someone said, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Today, I am going to close this series of teaching and preaching on the topic of faith. We've walked through the lives of these wonderful heroes of faith and we've watched them live out their own faith processes as individuals. We've seen their trials. We've seen their triumphs. And we've learned their undying devotion and their focus on the promised Messiah as we have gone through all of these studies. And once again, you may have not heard all of them, but I encourage you, you can go to our website and you can look and listen to the uh, messages there and you can be caught up and you can hear the different um, teachings and the different things that um, we were looking at together as a church in the lives of these heroes of faith. These are people that made it to what we call in chapter 11, the hall of faith. It is a place where people, are recognized for some great thing that God did through them. Does anybody want God to do something great through them? And so when we're looking at the scriptures here and we're looking at these these wonderful um, people of faith, these heroes of faith, we are encouraged by a few things. And one of the things that we looked at last week was, it says, therefore, we also in verse 12, I mean, chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, since we are surrounded by so great a cl- cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus or focusing on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith and so we are encouraged and we are challenged to do what as we look at the lives of these heroes of faith we are challenged to do the same thing that they did that got them through their faith process because you understand that faith takes you through some process amen faith takes you through some things. When you declare, the day that you declare that you are going to walk with Almighty God, I hope that you didn't think, glory to His righteous and holy name, that everything was just going to be easy and that you were going to remain the same because, see, something happened. The moment that you and I decided that we were going to accept this wonderful gift of salvation, the process of faith began in our lives. And what do you mean, Bishop? What I mean is that God now needs to take a person like myself like yourself who does not think like Jesus who does not act like Jesus who does not reason like Jesus who does not deal with life the way that Jesus does and he needs to take you now and transform you and that way you can reflect his son under this world that desperately needs that that revelation and so I don't know about you but I know that I was way far away from looking like Jesus hello you know, you see, you see. I, I don't watch these shows, but I know, you know, there's like 9,000 reality shows, and I'm sure that there's at least 10 of them that have to do with a makeover. Hello. I'm sure there is. I wouldn't waste my time watching them because I could really care less about all that stuff there. Glory to God. My wife gave me a wonderful makeover. Praise the Lord. I'm looking good because of her. Hallelujah. That's all we got to worry about. Amen, amen, amen. But now listen, 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 listen. It would anyway. Anyway, I'm going to leave that alone. But 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 here's here's what happened in these shows. There's a person there, and 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 they they usually come in there because someone has determined that they need this makeover. Amen. So someone has said, you know, you either dress. You know, I, I I've seen I've seen clips and commercials, obviously, and so you know, there's usually a, a, a an, an older person, usually of the female persuasion. Glory to God, who feels that she needs to dress scandalous. Hello, somebody. And somebody, usually, you know there's, you know because that 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 kind of stuff you want to see, this you know this older person that shouldn't be dressed that way, hello, right? Should be dressed more respectful and, and things of that nature cover some stuff up. glory to God. Uh-huh. There's usually two reasons for that, but I'm just going to go ahead and just leave it up to your imagination to decide which reason it is. But anyway, Someone has determined that this person needs this makeover. And so what do they do, church? They bring them and they, and they bring them to this person who knows how to make them look good, going to show them how to dress, going to, you know, take them to a, a beautician and they're going to go ahead and cut their hair and give them highlights and do all of this wonderful stuff and do their makeup. And all of a sudden, and at, at the end of the hour, glory to God, this person comes out and they're looking like a million bucks, respectful and modest. And oh, they never thought they could look that way. Hello. And they get to keep the clothing. Hallelujah. But what happens is you take this person that looks nothing like the end result, and it is the same thing that happens in our life as children of God, is that God saves us, God draws us out of darkness, God delivers us from our sinful nature, and the Bible tells us that, therefore, if any man be in Christ, here's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, everything is made new. Now, I want you to notice something for a moment. The moment that you give your life to Jesus is the moment that you are in Christ. Amen? That is the moment you are in Christ. It is the moment that you respond to God's calling for you to to give your life to him. That moment you are in Christ. So from that moment, no matter what, no matter how you look, smell, think, whatever, from that moment, the Bible says that you and I are what? We are new creation. Amen? It didn't say some things are new. It said all things. Everything is brand new. And so I come to Jesus, right? I come to the Lord. And that moment I am brand new and yet there's a process to make my exterior look like what happened on in my interior. Amen. Now, I'm not talking about legalism. I'm not talking about, you know, women letting their hair grow down to their ankles and, you know, and, and not cutting hair and not putting on. That, that's not what I'm talking. That, that is not what I'm speaking of when I say the exterior because we get caught up in that stuff. I'm not, wor- I'm, not, I'm not talking about that, you know, because we can get caught up in that and think, well, you know, I need to do this. I need to do that. I can guarantee you if I was worried about that type stuff, you know, I wouldn't be able to wear a suit. I wouldn't be able to do anything because, you know, the Bible tells us we shouldn't have, you know, clothing that costs a lot. Hello. I mean, let, let's keep it real now. We got, we got, we got to be, be, be real about the situation. That's what the scriptures teach us. And so it's not, I'm not talking about that because what happens is in the church a lot of times, we get caught up in those things that have zero, have zero. Did you hear what I said? Zero? Look to neighbor and say, neighbor. Those things have zero to do with holiness. Hello? What do you mean, bishop? It doesn't matter how you dress. I didn't say that. That's not what I'm saying. Because here's what I know, is that when you give your life to Jesus, now now hear me, when you give your life to the Lord, he is going to lead you into the modest way that you should present yourself. Amen? But if you go and jump in and say, well, I gave my life to Jesus today, and so now all of a sudden I got to make all, wait, wait a second, there's a process, church that we have to go through and what we were able to do in the lives of these people here is we were able to watch them go through this process and the whole time what were they doing they were focused not just upon their situation they were focused not only upon where they were or what they were going through but they were looking way ahead into the future to what to the messiah that was coming they were looking to the future to the savior that had been promised that's what they were focused on and the Bible tells us that we are to do the same thing they did. We are to focus on the promise. We are to focus on the Savior. But we're supposed to do it from a different perspective because you know what? All of these people that we read about, they were looking forward and we are doing what? I've said this before. We are looking backward. We are looking at a resume that has already been written and already laid out. You know what? They weren't doing that. Hello? What were they doing? They were part of the process of that resume. They were part of that resume being made. Moses, you know, Moses, these, these people, Moses was the one that wrote the law. So every person prior to Moses didn't even have the law of God in order to stand upon. Hello. Didn't have all of those promises, but guess what they were doing? They were remember because they had one promise that went way back and given to Mama Eve, glory to God. Gave her a promise, and that promise was that your son, that your seed would bruise the head of the serpent. That, that, and she had that promise, and they were all looking forward to that promise. And so everybody else going through all of these faith processes and being developed and growing and going through all of the stuff they were going through, they were all part of you know this resume being made. But here's the beauty of this church: is that even though we have the benefit of looking back over their lives and looking at the faith that they live and looking at the process that God brought them through. I want you to know something that God is not done demonstrating or manifesting his power within the earth God is still looking for vessels looking for people looking for situations looking for circumstances that we will submit to his Lordship that we will submit to his will that he can glorify himself in so he's not done we get to look at the resume and we get to look over what he has done in the lives of others but we need to keep in mind that God doesn't want us to just get excited about what he did in Abraham he wants to get excited about what he's doing in me hello he wants you to believe what he wants to do in you and at the same time not to get too caught up in what he's doing in you but looking forward to the savior who's coming back to this earth that is what he wants us to do. He wants us to be focused on those things. And, and you know, it, it's funny because when we think about these wonderful people of faith, these were people that were successful or they are people that we would call great. How many of y'all would call them great? I would call them great. I would say these are great people. These are people that we could look up to. These are people that we could see the attributes, the good and godly attributes in their lives, and we could look up to them. And in this earth today, there are people that, you know, we consider great in certain arenas. You look at a person like Tiger Woods. And you, you would say that Tiger Woods is great in golf, glory to God. It's, 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 he's great, right? He's You know, brother came out of surgery, and he's still over there rocking and rolling. I mean, this guy's this guy good, amen, somebody? He's great. You look, at, you look at a person, you know, a little bit older than him, you know, that we still talk about. And, and, for, and, and you know, I, I watch basketball once in a while, but, you know, I don't ever hear, I, you know, I haven't heard yet, you know, and, and I'm pretty sure that they will be pretty soon, and Pastor Robert could probably correct me on this, but, you know, they're always looking for the next Michael Jordan. What's that? He's close. No, no, no. LeBron's gonna get there. He's still young, though. I'm just saying. I, I'm just saying he he he's making a name. But 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 LeBron, I guarantee you, he was what? Trying to be like Mike. <laughs> Kobe Bryant, trying to do what? Look at it. Watch Kobe Bryant play ball. No, I, I I like Kobe Bryant. He's alright. I don't like the Lakers, but I like Kobe Bryant. Glory to God. But look at him, tongue sticking out to the side, glory to God. The way that he he runs back, just like Michael did. He he did, look, this guy is like a picture image of Michael Jordan, glory to God. Now, listen, the reason why I bring this up is because, you know, everybody, everybody, you know, they made that commercial a long time ago, you know, I want to be like Mike, whatever. And we should know if we read the one thing you can't do in heaven, you should only want to be like Michael on the basketball court, glory to God. That's the only place you want to be like Michael, amen, if you're a Christian. Praise the Lord Jesus. Now, but listen, 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 listen. All of these people that we know that are great, these people that have done these great and wondrous things. You want to know something? Everybody wants to be great to some level. Everybody wants to be successful. There is not one person in here that wants to fail. Anybody here want to be a failure? Raise your hand if you want to be a failure because this message is not for you. You can leave and I will go ahead and pray for you. And glory to God, you can go ahead about your day. But I promise you that there is nobody in here who just says, I just want to fail at life. I don't want to succeed. I, I just want to be a failure. I, I want people to just talk about how horrible my life was. That's nobody in this place. That's, that, that, that's usually nobody on planet Earth unless they have been hurt. They have gone through a traumatic situation that has caused them to lose all hope, to lose all vision. Now, that's a different situation. That's a person that we need to help deal with. But for the, mo- for the most part, everybody wants to be successful. But can I tell you the difference between the people that are great and the people who are not? The people who are great and the people who are the want to be great, you want me to tell you the difference? There's one major difference, and it is the discipline that these people underwent, that these people are unwilling to do. There's a commercial, I don't know the whole thing, but it's, it's, I believe it's Michael Jordan. It is Michael Jordan's voice in the background, I think, and, he is, and he's talking about, you know, he, say, he says a bunch of things, well, you know, you're saying you don't have the talent, you're saying you don't have the coaching. You're saying you don't have this. And he says, I'll say you're lazy. That's what he says. I say you're lazy. Because what does he know? He knows that discipline is the key to success. That if you are going to, look, you know, you know I'm, I'm gonna say, I was going to say this later, but I'll say it right now since we're talking about him. You want to know what the best thing that could have happened to Michael Jordan was? You want to know what it was? That coach that cut him. You know why? if that coach would have never cut him he would never become the person he was you know what that was church that's called discipline that was the harsh discipline that we don't want to hear about saying you ain't good enough to be on this team sorry now listen people people you know they're upset with that coach you know because how could he cut michael jordan you know why he cut michael jordan because the michael jordan that came and tried out for his team wasn't the michael jordan of the next year hello that Michael Jordan that went and got cut from that team, you know what he did? He went that hole for the rest. of I mean, from that time on, he was determined that he was going to do what? He was out there shooting as many baskets as he could. He was working out. He was getting himself up to par because he was going to do something that was going to say, you know, you ain't cutting me next year, glory to God. That's what he did. But you know what? That, that, that moment of disappointment was the key to him becoming the one who everybody's looking for the next one. Hello. It was that, church. You look at these people, Mike Tyson and these other people that, you know, great fighters, you know, older guys. And and, and you know, and, and these these guys, these guys, you know what they, they were doing? Everybody else is up in there sleeping, five, six, seven, eight, getting up, going into the gym at nine o'clock in the morning. You know what they're doing? They're getting up at five o'clock in the morning when it's still dark. And you know, remember Rocky, y'all watch Rocky, I love Rocky. But you know, Rocky would get up, and I don't know if they were drinking the, you know, the eggs that were disgusting like that. I doubt they were doing that. But anyway, you know, Rocky got up. What would he do? He was he was running. And you know what? Before he went to the gym, before these people hit the gym before they did anything, they're over here running and why? They ask them, ask Avanda Holyfield and these guys, why do you do that? And they say, because nobody else is. That's the reason why we're the champs and they're not. Hello? The reason why there are great, there are people who are successful and who are able to accomplish things is because they have submitted themselves to a certain discipline that has enabled them to get to where they need to get to. And can I tell you something about our God church? Our God is not mediocre in anything. Therefore, his delegates, you and me, shouldn't be either. Or y'all ain't saying nothing. Uh huh. See, 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 our God is, is not average in anything that he does. He, he, he's not just, you know, just, just chilling over here, okay, we're just making it with a C. No, 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 our God is A+, plus. glory to God. He, he, he is exceeding, he is exceedingly, abundantly above all. Anything, he says that he will do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we can ask or think. According to what, church? According to the power that works in you. Did you hear me? According to the power. That works in you, in me, is the way he's going to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think. It's not just because we asked it. It's not just because we thought it. It is because it is working in you and because you are allowing him to manifest his power through you. But you know what, church? According to the scriptures here, we got to understand that we need to submit to discipline. And that is what I'm going to talk about today. It is faithful endurance of discipline. And I believe that this message is probably one of the most unpopular messages that anybody wants to hear, because nobody want to hear about discipline. Everybody wants to hear about how blessed they're going to be financially, but nobody wants to save. Nobody wants to cut their budget. Nobody wants to tithe. No, people, and I'm not saying y'all, but I'm just saying in general, folks don't want to do the things that they, you know, should be doing, and, but they want to be blessed. They want to have the big house. They want to have the nice car. They want to have. A, that's the reason why credit card companies are making it so well, because you know what? Credit card companies, you know what they say to us? They say, you ain't got to be disciplined. Just use me. Y'all ain't saying nothing, uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's what they're saying. They're saying, you don't have to be disciplined. Just go on ahead and use me. Max me out, glory to God. And you can look like what? You can look like you're successful. Over here just broke, glory to God. Trying to figure out how you, try, you look, you you shifting debt. You're waiting for that 0% interest rate thing to come up in the mail so you can shift this, this card here to the next one. Young people are like, what y'all talking about? Y'all, you'll, you'll learn, glory to God. Hopefully you just cut them all and throw them all away. But but here's the thing. That's what that, that that's what happens. And that is how the enemy is. The enemy wants to what do you do with Jesus? Think about this. He took Jesus after Jesus in the wilderness for those 40 days, and, and, and the devil is tempting him. He tells him to turn the you know the, the stones into bread. Jesus is like, nope, you know, not gonna do that. He goes on ahead and he brings him and, and, and he, t- he takes him up. And he, you know, he takes him up and says, you know, you can drop yourself down from here. And, and God is not going to let, the, you know, the, he's not going to let one of your feet hit the rock there. He said, he'll send his angel. And he's like, nope, you know, the Bible says not to test the Lord your God. But then he takes him somewhere else. He takes him up to the highest pinnacle. And he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. You know what he tells him? He says, I will give you all of this. Just bow down to me. In other words. What you came here to die for, what you came here to take dominion over, you ain't got to go to the cross for that. I'll give it to you on credit. That's what he said. All you got to do is bow down to me. All you got to do is do what I say. All you got to do is follow my lead. That's all. You can go ahead and be the, you know, the son of God and Jesus of Nazareth, and you can turn the water to wine. You can do all that stuff. Just bow to me. We can fake it all day long. See, and that's how the enemy wants. But listen, Jesus understood. And if you read earlier in the book of Hebrews, you will find that the Bible says that he became obedient unto death. Listen, church, discipline is not a popular topic, but it is necessary if you and I are ever going to see what God wants us to see in our lives. If we don't have discipline, we're not going to see it. We can be, listen to me, we can be gifted all day long because there's plenty of gifted folks. But you know what? If we don't learn how to be disciplined, those gifts will never reach their maximum capacity and potential in our lives. Because you know what? They'll never be able to take us there. Because once people get to know us, they're going to want to be around us. Hello. Y'all ain't saying nothing again. Uh Uh-huh. Once they get to know us, that person, he's a Christian. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Say this with me. We must determine the cause of our difficulty. Look at verse 5 through 6 here really quickly. First of all, I want you to look at verse 3 through 4 because I want to point something out to you. When we all go through this, or when we discuss this topic of discipline, and we talk about difficult situations, and we talk about suffering and things of that nature, which is what the people in the book of Hebrews were going through, the Bible says this, for consider him, this is after it tells us to focus on him, consider him, think about him, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Jesus did nothing wrong, and he did what? He endured hostility. These people said crucify him for nothing, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. So here's the thing. Jesus did nothing to deserve suffering He did nothing to do anything wrong And yet he endured all of these things And if you will focus on him That will do what? That will keep you from becoming weary in your heart That will keep you from giving up this fight That you're supposed to fight He goes on in verse 4 and he says something He says you have not yet resisted to bloodshed Striving against sin In other words You ain't had it hard yet Hello Oh, I know, I know, I know that don't sound really compassionate. But sometimes you need someone to just come by and instead of, you know, rubbing you on your back and saying, oh, baby, it's going to be all right, they need to smack you in the butt and say, get on up and let's start walking. Hello? Hello? Because, you know, you, you over here telling, you know, I mean, there, there, there's, time, you know, my daughter, you know, she, she's a great example. My daughter will sit there with that, you know, just whiny, 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 whiny stuff. And you know what? My wife and I got to get to a point where we say, Alexis, that's enough. That's enough. You're gonna be all right. I mean, she she fell. She was riding rollerblades in the house. Glory to God. So kids, don't ride rollerblades in the house. She's riding rollerblades in the house. You know, and she's not. When I say riding, the rollerblades barely roll. Okay, so it's not like she's running. You know, crazy. Don't get that picture in your head. You know, and and this is her riding rollerblades. Okay, this is her. She's like this. Okay, she looks like Frankenstein. She don't want to fall. Well, anyway, I guess she got excited and she slipped and she busted her butt. And for like two days, I mean, she's crying. My butt hurts. I'm like, girl, you're gonna be all right. Just stop tripping. Just don't ride the rollerblades in the house, and you're gonna be all right. The fact of the matter is, is that. Sometimes we need someone who's going to come to us and not going to just rub us on our back and not just tell us everything is going to be okay. We need need someone that's going to come to us and say, listen, have you forgot about what Jesus went through for you? Oh, I know it's hard. I I, I know you're losing stuff. I know stuff is falling apart around you, but did you forget about what Jesus went through for you? Oh, y'all don't want to hear that. I know, but it's okay because we need to hear that. Because we're never going to get to where God wants to get us, having a little, you know, like Pastor Anna said a while back, a little pity party. Glory to God. You know, the real, the real quick stop to that pity party is just looking at Jesus, and you start to be like, "Oh my goodness." You know, you know what happens? Your pity party goes from being all about you to being worship of Him. Come on. That's what happens. You go from being, you know, discouraged because everything is woe is me and blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. And you start to understand that the same way that, you know, the, the church here that is being written to in the book of Hebrews went through discipline and went through difficulty. So you and I are going to go through difficulty. And so the verse 5 says this because, it, and this, this is very important. He says, and you have forgotten the exhortation. You have forgotten something. You forgot this exhortation that King Solomon penned years and years ago. In the book of Proverbs, you forgot this exhortation that he gave. And, 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 and this is what happens to us. We get excited about Jesus. We come to Christ. And then all of a sudden, we start going through. And you know what happens to us? We start forgetting stuff. We start forgetting the scriptures that are supposed to do what? Keep us from getting discouraged and keep us from walking away. And he says, you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son. Do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. And so the first thing we got to do is we have got to determine the reason for our difficulty. We have got to determine why is it that I'm going through what I'm going through? Why is it that I'm experiencing this test or I'm going through this trial? What is the reason for this? You see because there's too primary reasons why we go through the type of difficulties and disciplines that we go through it's, it's, it's one or two it is the one that we all come and we, we, we all understand and, and we all we we've, we all ex- have experienced and understood it clearly and that is the discipline that is the result of our disobedience that's the one and, and so whenever we think about discipline whenever we think about being disciplined automatically we go to that we, we automatically start searching ourselves what did I do wrong right what, 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 what did I do that wasn't right that provoked this? What is it that I could have done in order to not go through this? Can I tell you something? There are some things you're going to have to go through. I know, I know. Again, just no compassion. Glory to God. No love. But I want you to know that I love you. And more than me, God loves you and he has a plan for your life. Glory to God. But the first one is the discipline that is there because of our disobedience. Because we disobey, and we do what we're not supposed to do, and there is a consequence for those actions. There's that one. All, we all know about that one. But the other one that, that we don't necessarily understand is the one that is necessary for our development. See, because there is the discipline that is there for disobedience, but then there is the discipline that is for our development. There is a discipline that is there. And and when you look at this picture of discipline here, I want you to notice a couple of things. says, my son, he tells us that not to despise the chastening of the Lord. And and, and when you look up this word despise, the word despise, it means to regard as having little value. He says, do not look at the chastening of the Lord as having little value. But when you look up that word chastening, it is not the word of beating someone or spanking someone or, or anything like that. But it is the word discipline. And it also means it means on um, punishment for improved behavior. But the way that it's translated in the original is it is this. It says this of child instruction, of child instruction. So do not despise the childlike instruction. Wait a second, Bishop. What, what, what the scripture is trying to tell us is, you know what parents do? Parents sit down if we're, if we're good parents, glory to God. And we sit down and we talk to our children and we explain to them, listen, if you do this, this is going to be the consequence. If you go this way, this is going to be the consequence. And I know all of of us in here have seen television programs that portray those situations when the parent is coming to the child with a story that the child has heard a hundred times and says, man, I don't want to hear this story again. I, I just want you to think about that for a moment. Now, in some circumstances, some circumstances, you know, folks, when they get like much, 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 much older, they just repeat the same stories over and over and over again because they just like to relive stuff. That, that's just how they are. But for us folks that are, that are, that are, that are younger, okay, most of the time, <laughs> we are not repeating ourselves telling you the same story again just because we wanted to remind you of that story that we told you 10 other times. The reason why we're telling you that same story again is because you haven't gotten the point yet. Did you hear me? And so if you notice, young, young, young man, young women here, glory to God. If you, if you notice your parents telling you the same story, instead of saying, oh my goodness, here we go again, (laughs) right? What you need to do is you need to think, okay, what is it that I continue to do that mom continues to tell me the same story? And Or dad continues to tell me that. Because what happens is, they start off talking about this over here, and somehow they get back to this story, glory to God. Now, 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 understand, understand this. You, you, you've got to grasp this because, you know, it's, see, it's, it's good. You see, see, right now parents are laughing, but, but you're going to get to laugh at them now. Because it's the same thing with us and God. Oh, uh-huh, yeah, see, now y'all laugh. <laughs> <laughs> see, that, that, that was y'all's cue right there, glory to God. It's the same thing with us and the Lord. The Lord is saying, listen, do not think little of the childlike instruction that I give you. Pay attention to those little disciplines that I tell you to do. For example, you know, parents tell their children, listen, when you get up in the morning, you know, go brush your teeth, glory to God. Hallelujah. Help us out when we're talking. I can look at you. We don't have to, you know, be looking away, glory to God. Or just don't speak to me until you have brushed them teeth, glory to his name. But we communicate to our children. Try to get them to, you know, some, of, some parents say, you know, when you get up, you know, make your bed. Or, or you know, like I, I'm trying to teach my daughter how to make sure that she doesn't have 9,000 pairs of clothing. And I'm exaggerating a little bit, but... All In every, every room of the house, my daughter, in like, in like two days, there's like five pairs of shoes. There's shirts, shorts, pants. I mean, everything, all over the place. And I'm like, Alexis, listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. Do you want it? Because this is the thing. When it's time to clean it up, she complains the whole time. Oh, Daddy, I don't want to pick that up. You need to pick It's yours. <laughs> do you know what I did? I tried to tell her, do you want to know how to get out of cleaning up? When you change your clothes, go into your bedroom, when you take it off? Put it in dirty clothes. Childlike instruction. Simple. What am I doing? I'm giving her a life lesson. If you don't want to clean up a mess, don't make a mess. Simple. And you know what, today she don't appreciate that because, you know, kids so excited, they just want to jump out of their clothes, jump into clothes wherever they are. not think about the consequences because, you know, when they were younger, they didn't have to clean stuff up. Mommy and daddy were picking stuff up behind them. But now they get to that age of accountability. It's like, okay, now you need to pick up, glory to God. And they're having issues adjusting this stuff. But listen, God does the same stuff for us. God teaches us clearly the book of Psalms. The psalmist writes, early in the morning will I seek you. Is that not what the psalmist says? Now, I know that some of us are not morning people, but listen. The psalmist said, early in the morning will I seek you. The psalmist also says, when I lie in my bed at night, I will do what? I will meditate upon your word. Now, 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 now here's the thing. We look at that stuff and we read it like, oh, man, that, that was a person really devoted to God. But you know what the Holy Spirit is saying? Early in the morning, you should get up and seek me. Because if you'll get up and seek me early in the morning... The rest of your day will be filled with the wisdom that you need to have. When you lay down in your bed at night, instead of thinking about problems, meditate upon my word so that way you can rest and you'll be able to get up early in the morning. Are y'all ain't saying nothing? Glory to God. See, this is the childlike instruction that we find to have little value. Jesus' disciples come to him and say, you know, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he says, this is how you pray. And he breaks down this prayer that's like 12 lines or something like that. And it's not for us to go ahead and repeat the, play, the prayer verbatim. It's to give us a, an outline on how we're supposed to pray. But you know how many people in church say, I don't know how to pray? Hello, somebody. You know how many people say, I do not know how to pray. I, I pray for five, five minutes. And you have nothing else to pray for? You don't need to have a whole bunch of problems. See, sometimes that's the reason why God gives us issues. So we'll pray longer, glory to God. Because I want you to know, you need to spend more time with him. Amen? You need to spend quality time with God. And so this is just childlike instruction. This is just that that, that discipline that he says, listen, don't think little of it. Because what? Because God chastens all of those whom he loves. He gives childlike instruction to all of those whom he loves. But then he goes on to say, and he says, do not be discouraged. In other words, do not lose heart. Do not lose the desire that is within you to fulfill what you should be fulfilling. This is what he's saying. He says, don't be discouraged when the Lord rebukes you. Now, we're changing words here. You see, the first kind of discipline is the kind of discipline that is necessary in order for you and I to develop. The second kind of discipline is the result of you not listening to the first kind of discipline. Did you hear what I just said? The first type of discipline is the one that is for our development. The second type of discipline is the one that is a result of us not listening to the first type of discipline. So he says, listen, don't be discouraged. Don't lose heart. Don't faint. Don't become overwhelmed. When what? When God rebukes you. Now here, now, 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 you got to hear this word rebuke. Because the word rebuke literally means to expose. Mm-hmm. How many of y'all want to be exposed? Hello, somebody. You know, you got, you got folks, you know, uh, you know old, old school What happens in the house stays in the house. Why? Because you don't want to be exposed. Because if your kids go to the youth pastor and tell the youth pastor what's going on at home, mm mhm, Mr. Christian, mm mhm, ain't Mr. Christian no more. Now we understand why so-and-so is acting like this. Because this is what they're seeing where? At home. Can, can, Can I help you to understand something, church? Listen to me. It is, it is of the utmost importance that our homes, that, 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 that our lives inside of our homes reflect Christ just as much as they do when we come to God's house, when we get around those spiritual people. Hello, somebody. Very important. Because the problem is that God, God doesn't want to expose you. Do you understand that? You, you, you're getting this, right? God does not want to expose anybody's sin. Hello? Hello? He doesn't want to show anybody, you know, your situation. He doesn't want for you to have to get that phone call that says, listen, you know, I heard about this, this, and this. He doesn't want any of that for you. But you know what happens to us? We don't pay attention to the first type of discipline. We don't get the first portion of what God is trying to speak to us. And then what ends up happening is he has to expose us. He has to show us our faults. He has to rebuke us. And then you know what happens when we get to the place that we're getting rebuked? When we get to the place that we're being exposed? When we get to the place that this is tough? You know what ends up happening to most of us? Most of us run from that pain because it's painful when you get exposed, don't you think? When your sin is shown, now I'm not saying that you know that, that, that there's a tactful way for people to do it and all that good stuff. But the reality is that when God goes on ahead and he's trying to discipline his children, well, he's going to try to communicate to you in love. And I've seen it time and time again. I've seen people that have sat in churches and they've heard preaching after preaching, teaching after teaching. You need to get this right. You need to get this right. You need to deal with this over and over and over again. And this person never responds to that preaching. And then all of a sudden, one day, their sin is just exposed and brought out to the open. And then there's embarrassment, there's hurt, and all of these things that could have been easily dealt with if what? If we would have simply responded to the childlike discipline, to the discipline that our father gives us in that loving manner. And you know what? Even when he rebukes you, even when he beats you, because the Bible goes on to say if you continue to read the scripture in verse 6, it says, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens, or he does a childlike um, um, discipline, and he scourges every son whom he receives. You know what that word scourges means? It means to beat with whips. (laughs) It means to beat. That's what it means. So God is an abusive father, huh? No. It literally means to beat with whips. But what it means is to put through difficulty because he's not going to come. I mean, come on, man. If God would have whip any of us with a whip that would fit in his hand, glory to God. None of us would make it past that. So what does he do? He lets us go through difficult situations that are for what? They are to get our attention. So we can do what? So we can become what he wants us to become. See, what has to happen is once you and I sit down and we determine what is the cause of our discipline. Is it that God is showing us a loving discipline? And you know what? As children get older, the discipline becomes tougher. Hello the responsibility becomes greater and as you and I continue to grow in Christ our responsibility becomes greater our responsibility in the things that we are called to do it becomes harder and it's still God dealing with us on that first level it's not him correcting us but we're called to do greater things we're called to be more mature in Christ we're called to demonstrate love in a different manner we're called to forgive certain people we're called to do all of these things and so what happens is we have a responsibility to do what church we have a responsibility to find out Okay, God, why is this discipline coming? Did I disobey? And if I disobeyed, you know what you got to do? You got to respond. And the only way to respond when you're being chastened for disobedience is repentance and saying, Okay, whatever I got to go through, I'm going to go ahead and get through. What do you mean? See, there's a difference between a Moses who was going up to the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights to get the law of God for revelation and a David who falls into a time of fasting and prayer because his sin is exposed and he's there hoping that God will be merciful. See, there's a difference between those two things. And you and I want to stay on the side that we are fasting and seeking God's face, not because we're repenting of sin, but because we are humbling ourselves before him and we're receiving his direction and his revelation. That's where we want to be because if we are not obedient and we're not seeking him the way that we ought to, then you know what happens? We end up on this other side and we're responding to situations rather than us living out what God wants us to live out. Hello? And so it's important for us to do what, church? It's important for us to respond accordingly. If I'm a person who's being chastened because of um, my development, then I need to go ahead and I I need to be attentive and I need to be obedient. I need to hear what God is saying to me. I need to pay attention to him. That's the reason why it's not not just um, good for us to just read the Bible. We need to meditate on the word of God. Because as we meditate upon the word of God is when we get the fuller revelation of what God is trying to get us to do. And we're able to get through to the process that he wants to take us to. The second thing I want you to repeat after me is say we must rejoice in the privilege of our discipline. Read verse seven through nine with me, please. It says, if you endure chastening, another translation or the more correct translation would be for discipline. You endure chastening and God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? So he goes on and he says this. The Hebrew people are thinking, you know, this is, God must be mad at us. Because that was the mindset that people have. That's the mindset that many of us have. And the reason why I'm going through hardship is because God is mad at me for some reason. Can I tell you that that's not the case? That's not, that, that, that's not necessarily the situation. There may be times you're going through something because you have offended God and because you have done something wrong or whatever the case is, but this, what the scripture here is to encourage us is that no matter what we're going through, no matter what we are facing, no matter what it is, we need to realize that if God is disciplining us, whether it is him beating us, hello, and I want to say this because someone may try to twist this. I'm not saying God beats us literally, okay? But we are going through a difficult situation, whether it is that type of discipline because of our disobedience or it is the other type of discipline, which is because of our development, God is dealing with us the same way. And it is as sons and as daughters of, who, of, of himself. And I want you to realize this, that only a loving parent will take the time to invest the necessary discipline in the life of the child. God, hear me now, only a parent that really loves a child is going to take the time to discipline him. That's the bottom line. If a parent doesn't love the child, they're going to let the child run wild. They're going to let the child do whatever they need to do. They're not going to invest time. They're not going to give supervision. They're not going to give correction. They're not going to share those long, boring stories. They're not going to do none of that stuff. You know why? Because they really don't care about the kid. But when they care about the child, what are they going to do? They are going to invest that time. They are going to require that their child spend time with them and that their child grow up and grow through certain situations. But here's the beauty about God is that God is even greater than any parent because God... God does not waste his time on anything. God doesn't waste his time dealing with people that are not sons and not daughters. So we can rejoice in what? That if I am going through hardship, that is a good place to be. Hello. Why? Well, because there are other people who call themselves Christians, who live like heathens. Just calling it like it is, right? And what happens? They don't seem to get any judgment. Seems like nothing goes wrong in their lives. Have you ever thought about that for a moment in light of this scripture? You want to know what that means? That means that they are illegitimate. Another translation, they are bastards. They are fatherless. That means that God is looking at them and saying, you ain't none of mine. You understand that? You understand that if you are, if you are, if you are in church and you're hearing these messages, and God is doing nothing to you and, and you just living like you're crazy and ain't nothing going wrong, then you know what? You're in a dangerous place because that means that you have not been received as a son. That means that you have not been received as a daughter. If you are just living how you want to live and there is nothing, listen, that, that, that's a scary place to be. The beautiful place to be is in the place where God is, okay, I'm trying to teach you like my son, trying to teach you like my daughter, trying to give you those wonderful instructions, and then you continue to disobey, you continue to not listen to daddy's voice, you continue to not obey, and daddy goes on ahead, and he allows some calamity to come your way, some difficulty to come your way. To do what? In order to get your attention because of what? Because he loves you. Because he cares about you and he wants you to walk with him and he wants you to experience his will in your life. He doesn't want you to continue to go around that desert over and over and over and over. He doesn't want you to go through that. He wants you to experience the fullness of his love. And so, if you're in a place where God is not disciplining you, you know you're not living right, you need to repent for real. Hello. See, here's what happens. A child that is left undisciplined in the name of love because a lot of times we say, you know what, we're not going to do this, you know, and there's people, and, and I'm not going to get into is spanking okay or is spanking not okay. What I am going to tell you is that the Bible clearly teaches me that the rod of correction drives foolishness far from the heart of the child. Did you hear what I just said? The rod, Y'all are like, they're quiet, quiet, quiet. The rod of correction when it's talking about a rod, it is talking about a literal rod. Hello. You remember, remember some, some of you guys might remember this. This never happened to me, but I heard stories about it. Those switches, glory to God, that those parents used to go and get this thing or get this branch off of this tree and clean it up. Pastor Robert knows all about it. Praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. So now, now, <laughs> now listen, when it's talking about this rod of correction, I'm not telling you, you got to hit your child, but you better learn how to discipline your child because if you do not discipline your child if you do not teach your child the value of no your child will be spoiled hello your child will be unproductive hello your child will be disrespectful your child oh glory to his your child will be unappreciative hello if you look look, parents you know parents you know if you if, if you're in a situation that you can just give your kids everything don't just give your kids everything and I know the kids like, Bishop, why, why, are you, why are you going that way, Bishop? What's up, man? I want everything. Listen, I'm, t- <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm trying to teach you guys something because, you know what, you don't want everything for free because when you get out there and Mommy and Daddy can't give it to you no more, guess what? You're going to be hating. Why didn't Daddy teach me how to work? Why didn't, why, why didn't Mommy teach me how to budget my money? Why didn't they teach me? Why did they just give me everything? Listen. It is important that we teach our kids because if not, then what happens? And you know what? The book of Proverbs, you just read through the book of Proverbs, and it will tell you that, you know, a foolish child does what? Brings shame to his mother. Hello. A foolish child. There's a fo- And you know, you know what a foolish child is? You want to tell you what a foolish child is? 90% of the time, a foolish child is a child that had no discipline when they were growing up. Why? Because the Bible just says, I, I just quoted the scripture. The rod of correction drives foolishness fully sin from where from the heart of a child so if a child i'm not saying that every kid that is you know that that is raised up in church is going to serve god and all that kind of stuff but the bible does say you raise up a kid in the way of righteousness and when he is older he will not depart so the scripture says that but what i am saying is that if you will teach your children people there are people out there who they taught their kids correctly their kids aren't serving god today but they're respectful listen when i was growing up I'm going to tell you right now, I used to hang out with all the people that I used to hang out with, and of all of those friends that I had that I used to hang out with, I was the most respectful. You want to know why? Because I got the most beatings. Hello. I'm dead serious. When I look when I was when, when we were kids, my, my sister and I, I don't remember this. My mom told me this, but my mother, you know, they had a little apartment, and my mom was so strict. Now she was strict with us. My sister Jackie, she got away with a lot. Glory to God. But 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 you know, so that was that that's what that age did. But anyway, when we were kids, small, my sister and I were like 10 months apart. And so I figured we had to be like, you know, two years old, you know, around there. And you know what would happen? What would happen is my mom would go into the kitchen, and when she would go into the kitchen to clean the kitchen, we would stand outside of the kitchen. We would stand at the edge. We would not dare step into that kitchen because we knew. You step across that line, it's your behind. Hello? Mm-hmm. We knew that at that young age, glory to God. Don't think oh, They're just too young. They, they ain't too young to know, glory to his name. Mm-hmm. All right, all right, praise the Lord. But listen, when we grew up, when, when, I, when I was hanging out, with my friends, they would just walk up in people's houses. Man, I would never walk in nobody's house. I would always stay outside. Talk to someone's mom. Dis- no, 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 no. Didn- no. I would not disrespect adults. I was all, I mean, it would, with everything. It was just why. It was because my mother drew, you know, she drove that fully from me. Glory to God. I got crazy with her when I got older, but still. I knew the boundaries. Hello. So here's the thing. We got to make sure that we're doing what? That when we're walking with God, that we understand that he loves us and we can rejoice in this. One of the greatest demonstrations of love that we receive is God's discipline in our life. Hello? Those difficult things, when God calls you, you know, because I don't want to just talk about the negative discipline, but when God goes on ahead and he calls you and he says, you know what? I want you to shut that TV off and I don't want you to watch it for the next year. I want you to cut the cable off, glory to God. Mm -hmm." (laughs) Mm-hmm. When God says, you know what, I want you to go into a, you know, two, three day fast. I want you to just separate yourself from me. I want you to take that Saturday that you were planning on doing whatever. And I want you to say, that's all discipline, church. Because God is trying to get our attention. He's trying to show us stuff. And the greatest demonstration of love that God, that, that God shows us is, is right there in his discipline. Because he's taking time to develop us into the character of Christ. That's what he's trying to do. And so the third thing I want you to repeat this afternoon really quickly is this. We must anticipate the fruit of our development. See, there's something that you got to realize about God's discipline too. It's important that you learn to listen to him because if you do not listen to God's discipline, you will remain at the same level in your spirituality forever. What do you mean, Bishop? Here's what I mean. In our school systems, in some, in some cases, a child will be in a class and that child will begin to grow and, you know, they fail and they fail and they fail. And, you know, all of a sudden what happens is, you know, you got a kid that's in third grade, you know, he's like 12 years old or whatever the case is. I would imagine that that's pretty crazy, right? The school system thinks so too. And in some cases, what they'll do is they'll say, you know, we're just going to pass them up. Can I tell you God doesn't believe in that? You just pass them up. That 12-year-old that, that, that kid sitting up in that, in that desk that got his knees up in the chair, you know, gum sticking to it, looking crazy. School system ain't with that. God will say, you can sit right there, get the gum on your knees, glory to God, be uncomfortable, and go through all of that. You know why? Because I'm not going to pass you up to the next level just because you've been, you've been, you've been calling yourself a Christian. Hello, somebody. Amen. You, you're going to get to that next level just because of what? Because you're cute? No, God, you ain't, you ain't cute. Hello. If you ain't looking like my son, you ain't cute. Hello. Or y'all ain't saying nothing there. If you are not looking like my son, you're not looking cute to me. If your attitude, if you're not thinking the thoughts of Christ, if you're not living the life of you're not cute to God. All of that stuff that, you know, we laugh, you know, because this is what we do. This, this, this is what we do as parents. Again, I don't know why I'm getting on the parents today, glory to God, but it's all right, hallelujah. We're going to be all right after the day, praise the Lord. But I'm going to tell you something. Another, an, 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 another thing that I've learned with my daughter is, you know, we laugh at the, at the stuff that our kids do, thinking it's cute. Yeah, it's cute for a moment until they do that to you in public. Then it ain't cute. Then you're turning red instead of smiling. Hello, somebody. Because what? You got embarrassed because that stuff. So, you know, what you, you can't. Do, and God doesn't laugh at our stuff. He doesn't laugh when we're over here making a mess of life. And, dude, he's not laughing at that. He's not thinking, oh, no, no, no. It, it, it is not that way, church. So we've got to get that mentality. So we've got to anticipate our development. Well, let's continue on to read here in verse 10 through 11. It said, for they indeed, and this is talking about our earthly fathers, they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. And so he gives us the explanation here. He says, we had earthly fathers, and our earthly fathers, we listened to them, and they disciplined us according to what seemed best to them. Now, what does this mean for us parents? That means that parents, we're not always going to get it right. Hello. There there is no way that we can be perfect. We are going to make mistakes, but thank God for his grace and his mercy. Hallelujah. That is able to make up and and, and our children can learn from the mistakes that we made. But, But here's the beauty of this, is that while we as earthly parents are not perfect, God requires our children to listen to us, requires our children to obey us, even if they don't like it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. But then he goes on and he communicates and he says, but your heavenly father, he doesn't discipline you like that. He doesn't discipline you for what he seems to think is best. There's no mistake in his discipline because he does what? He disciplines us for our profit. He disciplines us for our benefit he calls us into these consecrations he calls us into this time of prayer he calls us into the study of his word he calls us to separate ourselves from the world he calls us to not participate in certain activities he calls us to these things not because he thinks it's good for us but because it is good for us and what we can do as sons and daughters of the King of Kings is we can always trust what trust that his purposes that His 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 direction is always best for us. No matter what we feel, no matter what we think, no matter how we calculated it and we thought it would be better this way, God says my calculation is better because my calculation brings in all the factors that you have no idea and no understanding about. So it is up to us to go on ahead and do what? To trust him that he is disciplining us according to his will. But what is the purpose? The purpose of this discipline, we find at the end of verse 10 there, it is for what? Number one is that we may be partaking Of his holiness. What is his holiness? His holiness is his character. His holiness is who God is. The Bible says God is holy, and it doesn't just mean that he is separated from sin, it means that sin does not exist within him. You see, because I can go ahead and I could, as, as, as a person, I could separate myself from every sinful activity under the sun and yet be with sin. Did you hear what I just said? Amen. You and I can separate ourselves from every single negative thing. We can never go to this place. We can never talk to that person. We can never participate of that thing. And you know what? That doesn't mean that we're holy. Why? Why? Because inside is what makes us holy. But when it talks about us partaking of his holiness, what is the scripture saying? The scripture is saying that you and I get to partake of that same freedom that God has from sin. We get to partake of that same freedom. So whatever it is that is binding us, whatever it is that is hindering us from walking in total obedience, if we will submit to the discipline of our Heavenly Father, you know what happens is he liberates us from that sin. He liberates us from that stronghold. He liberates us. Can I ask you this? Do you think that there is depression found in God? Do you think that there is anxiety found in God? So that means you probably don't need Xanax. Hello. Mm -hmm. Uh Glory to God. If you partake, hallelujah, of his character. If we partake of his character, that means depression is not there. So that means that whatever is binding us in that area, we don't have to deal with that because of what? Because I've partake. I am partaking of his holiness. I'm partaking of his character. There is anything that is not found in God, if we will undergo the discipline of God, then what happens, church? we end up becoming like him. And as we go and we become more and more like him, what begins to happen is our lives reflect him and we begin to walk in freedom. And you know what? That's what God wants for everybody sitting in this place is that each and every one of us would walk in freedom from anything that originated in sin. And what do you mean, Bishop? Because not, not, not every negative situation in our life is a result of our personal sin, but there are some things that go on in this earth and it is just a product of the fact that there is sin in this earth. And so what does he want? He says, you know what? He goes on to say, and if you you read verse 11, I believe it is there. He goes on to say there that no discipline, no chastening seems pleasant for the present time. In other words, nobody wants to hear this message. Nobody wants to have to live this truth. Nobody wants to have to undergo a discipline. Life is hard enough, and now you're telling me i got to be more disciplined. Life is difficult enough, and you're telling me that i got to undergo more stuff. What I'm telling you is that you have a privilege to go through the discipline of God Almighty because he loves us. Amen? Verse 11 says, now no chastening or no chastis- or no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but it is painful. And so the writer doesn't pull any punches. He tells us straight up, he says that chastening is painful. It is difficult. It is difficult to say no to things that we want to say yes to. It is difficult to walk away from things that we want to walk with. It is difficult for us to, to, to give our lives 100% and say, God, you have your, it is difficult. It's not easy to do that. It is painful for us to do that. Nevertheless, he says, says he interrupts that thought afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it to those who have been trained by it see here's the thing and i'm getting ready to close that word trained by it it is the word gymnaso, which is where we get the english word gymnasium or gymnast and i remember when i was younger little you know kids I don't know I don't know why we do this but and and, you know maybe some of you didn't do it I don't know maybe I was just crazy me and my friends were just crazy but we all used to do this this thing we would sit there and we would all play you know three seconds left on the clock and you know one person would pass the ball to the other one and we would all put ourselves in this position three two and then we would shoot you know the ball or whatever the case is or then we're running down the field or whatever, you know, we'll be like, you know, and breaking this and doing that. And we, and we get all of these wonderful pictures in our mind, you know, because what, do we, because what happens? Those are the things that make highlights, glory to God. Those are the things that are on ESPN. And so, you know, three seconds left on the clock and, and, you know, Michael Jordan does this great thing or whatever. And so we automatically put ourselves in those positions. But you know what? Most people that play that game will never be in that position to win a game in three seconds left. But is it because they didn't have the potential? No, I don't think so. Most of it is just because they won't be disciplined enough. Most of it is just cuz they're not going to push themselves to the way that they need to. I'm not saying everybody's going to make it to the pros because you know what? Most people are not going to make it to the pros. There's there, there is there there is a minute opportunity for folks to make it to the pros, but I can tell you what? Folks can go to college and be in those type of games. You can be in high school and be in those type of games. But you know the problem is, the problem is that we want to go into the gym. We don't want to go through the process of the gym. We want to walk up in there, grab the ball, and be the all-star. But we don't want to run up and down the court and do those laps. We don't want to learn the fundamentals of basketball. We don't want to learn what it is that we need to learn. It's the same thing in our spiritual lives. Because the truth of the matter is that a lot of us, you know, we want to be great Christians. We want to be people that can pray well. We want to be people that are used mightily of God. We want to preach. We want to teach. We want to evangelize. We want to do all of this stuff. But my question is, are you being trained by the discipline of God? Are you subjecting yourself on a daily basis? You know, all of us want to be debt-free and all this kind of stuff. Man, let me ask you this. Are you even coming to Wednesday night Bible study to learn how to get out of debt? Hello, somebody. I mean, you want everybody wants to be debt-free, but you're sitting at home watching TV or whatever. I can guarantee you that's not going to help you. I'm going to smile because, you know, I love you. Oh, well, you know what? You, I've went through that Bible study before. Well, praise the name of the Lord. Are you applying it? See, because that's the other question. Because see, that's the thing with church folks nowadays. They know everything. Been there, done that. Yet their life don't look nothing like Jesus. You hear what I just said? They, they know all the scriptures that go what we're talking about. And you want to know why they know all those scriptures? Because their Heavenly Father loves them. And he's been telling them the same story over and over and over again because you haven't gotten the principle yet and so listen to it again maybe you'll get it this time because you know what God doesn't want to do is he doesn't want to expose you he doesn't want to put you out there he doesn't want to put you in an embarrassing situation he doesn't want you to lose this or lose that he doesn't want he doesn't want his children to go through that kind of stuff not for not 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 for that kind of discipline Now, if it's somebody who was like the disciples, who, you know what, they were there, they were in the the boat and they were doing their thing, and the scripture says what? That Jesus came to them and said, follow me. They dropped everything. That's a different situation. And you know what he tells them? The disciples asked him, they said, listen, Jesus, we've left houses, we've left families, we've left all of these things. And Jesus tells them clearly, he says, anybody who has left houses and left families and all of these things shall receive a hundredfold now and in the life to come notice he said I didn't say I just repeated what he said he said now he said now that you would experience if you're leaving it for the kingdom of God if that's the if that's the discipline oh yeah he wants you to do that just like when Job went through what he went through come on church do you think Job's whole situation is there just for us to look at I bendito you know oh my goodness think that that's why that story is there no it's to show us something That if we are going through a disciplinary situation, first of all, we need to realize that ain't none of us arrived. Job, I I promise you, y'all, Job thought he arrived because his argument, he he came and he was like, you know what? He said, if I get a chance to come before the Lord, that's not what he said. He said, "If, if I get an opportunity to come and plead my case, hello, somebody, this is what he was saying. It was, it, it, he, he was saying you know, I, I'm, you, know why, you know why he was saying that right because in his day there was no one righteous like him this guy had his kids having parties and stuff you know what he was doing the next morning he was sacrificing for them just in case they offended God you want to talk about a righteous man he wasn't just concerned about himself he was concerned about the well being of his children this is what the scriptures teach us but then he went through this trial and he went through this situation because you know what he needed a deeper revelation of who God was that's why God responds to him and says now, now wait a second Job let me talk to you like a man. Tells him, tighten up that belt right quick. Where were you when I created the heavens and the earth and when I threw out them stars? Where were you? were you? Were you giving me counsel when I was doing that? Because he needed to understand that it wasn't his righteousness that was keeping him. It was God's power. It was God's ability. And at any given moment, you listen, God can do whatever he wants. But you know what the beauty of the story of Job is? The beauty is at the end, church because Job even though he questioned God and even though he had his issues you know what he never did he never cursed his God he never spoke badly against him you know what the Bible tells us the Bible says that on the other side of that trial he received what double of everything he had on the other side that's what the scriptures teach us so what does that encourage does it say every every time we go through something we're gonna get double not necessarily but it means that there is a reward the Bible says that without faith It is impossible to please God, but those who come to God must believe that he is, and he is what? A rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You see, here's the beauty, is that while Job was there, and he was questioning God, you know what he was doing? He was still diligently seeking God. He was was crying, he was being honest, and he was saying, God, I need some answers, I don't understand. I've tried to do everything that I can in order to walk in this righteousness. And now I'm going through this situation. He was still diligently seeking him. He was, he was confounded. He didn't understand why this was going on. And the Bible shows God is faithful. And he rewarded him for going through that. And so my question for you this morning is this. Is what is it that God is calling you to do in the area of discipline? Where is it that God is calling you higher? If you look at verse 12 and 13, it says this. It says, therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather be healed. And so what is he doing? He's giving a picture. He's showing a picture of a runner on a field. And he's saying, "Look, you know what happens when runners they start getting tired? They've been running for a long time, arms start hanging knees start knocking they're not running this you know in that, in that perfect you know position As but no they don't they don't do that what do they do they start getting tired and he's saying look I, I know that you guys have been running this race and I know that you've been getting tired and going through this discipline and it's difficult and he says but well, look we need to strengthen those things and the way you're going to strengthen them is by you getting out of your situation getting out of your mindset focusing on Christ and saying lord what do you want from me because you know what he wants for you he wants the best for you You know what he wants for you? He wants you to partake of his holiness. He doesn't want you to be a Christian by title. He wants you to be a Christian by character. He wants you to partake of the peaceable fruit of righteousness. He wants your life to be fruitful. The question is, are you going to go on ahead and give it all to him and say, Lord, here's my life. Lord, here is all that I am. Here is everything. Here, here's the messes I've made. Here's all of the sin I've committed. Here's the bad decisions i made. Here is everything, Lord. I want you to have your way in me because I want to partake of your character. I don't want to be bound anymore. And I want to see the fruit of righteousness in my life. If that's you in this place, today's your day. Glory to God. If that's you in this place, today is the day that God wants to do something powerful and mighty in your life. And if you don't know him and you haven't made that commitment to him, then you know what? Today is the day that you can say, Lord, here I am. If you backslid and if you walked away from him and you're not walking according to his, to his plans, but you've heard his voice today, he's saying, son, he's saying, daughter, come back. Today is that day. Let everybody stand on your feet, please, and let's bow our heads. eye closed please and every head bowed if that's you in this place and you say Lord I want to give it all to you today I want you to have your way in every area of my life I know it's gonna be hard but I know that I can do it through you if that's you and you say Lord I want to put my total trust you today. I just want to see you lift up your hand before the Lord. Hallelujah. I see the hands. I see the hands. Glory to God. I see the hands. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. I want you to grab your neighbor's hand, please. Praise the name of Jesus. And I want you to pray for your neighbor. I want you to pray for that person that is standing beside you. I want you to pray for them and I want you to really ask God as if you were the one that raised your hand. And if you're the one that raised your hand, then I want you to pray for them with the same passion that you would want them to pray for you. Hallelujah. As I pray, you begin to pray. Heavenly Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we come before you as your people, Heavenly Father. Lord, we come before you as your body. We come before you as your sons. We come before you, Lord God, as your daughters. We come before you as your children. Heavenly Father, who trust that you are in control of all things, my God. That you are in control of every situation, of every circumstance. And that you, Heavenly Father, have brought us to this day. And you have shown us, my God, that you are disciplining us, my Lord. That you are taking things from us that way you can add unto us, my Lord. Father God, today, I pray Pray over my brothers and sisters that have lifted their hands unto you. Heavenly Father, may you fill them with the power of your Holy Spirit, my God. Father, may you fill them with the wisdom, Lord God, that comes from on high, that they may be able, Lord God, to discern right from wrong, that they would be able to see what is your will and what is not, my God. Father, I rebuke the lies, I rebuke the plans of the enemy that come to steal, to kill and to destroy. Father God, you see these commitments that were made unto you today, and may your glory and power be upon these people my God Father may they walk according to your will may they walk according to your purposes may they walk according to your plans and may your glory heavenly Father be upon each and every one of my brothers and sisters mightily and powerfully Lord God that as they walk and as they leave this place that they would leave behind Father God the old them that they would leave behind the old mindset and that God that they would walk in healing for Lord God your word said that we were to heal Lord God not dislocate my Lord and so God I pray that you would fill my brothers and my sisters with faith my God my God glorify your name in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus with every eye closed and every head bowed and there were some people that raised their hands today and I just want everybody to pray this prayer but if you pray this prayer that we're going to pray right now for the first time I want you to see Pastor Marisol or Pastor Robert Bennett in the front lobby to let them know that you're praying this prayer. But everybody repeat this after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come before you today. And I lay my life before you. I ask you to forgive me for living my life according to my ways. According to my will. And today, I ask you to forgive me for sinning against you and help me to walk in obedience to walk in the power of your spirit fill me from this day forward in jesus name i receive your gift of salvation now and i commit my life unto you thank you hallelujah father we honor you we give you all the glory come on just bless him in this place father we honor your name and we thank you for your grace and mercy we thank you for your love and we thank you for your presence hallelujah now like i said if you prayed that prayer from your heart for the first time or you recommitted your life to the lord i want you to see pastor robert and pastor Monty solo in the front here they will be in the lobby area and you can let them know that now where they can rejoice with you and they can connect you with some good material to help you to continue to grow in christ amen hallelujah really quickly get your tithes and your offering ready today is the first sunday of the month and we want to go over our building project um slide here we want to go over the update want to give you guys an update Praise the name of the Lord. Last month we had $30,362.29, and this month we have $34,016.63. Give yourself a hand, glory to God. Thank you for your faithfulness in giving, glory to his name. Also, before you give your tithes and your offering, I want to remind you, um, this week, Brother Christian, I sent out an email, and Brother Christian, who has um, been given the opportunity to be part of the program in, in, in his high school, which is called People to People um, Student Ambassador Program, where he gets to go to Europe and, and be there for like 18 days. Well, anyway, he's raising money for that, and what we wanted to do, I was going to bring him before the church today and present him to you, because he has, um, since he got this, this opportunity, he has been um, working hard, he's been taking all of his money and saving it up, but the, whole, the total cost of the trip is $6,499. Hello. That's a lot of money for a teenage kid, don't you think? And so he's doing the best thing that he can. But what I want to do as a church is I want us to come beside him. And so if you feel it in your heart and if you want to give toward this activity um, that he's going to be going on, what we are going to do is next week, We whatever we collect today, toward that, we're going to bring him before the church. We're going to pray for him to make sure that, you know, just believe that God will supply every single one, of every penny for him to be able to go on this trip. So if you can give more, you know, toward that, then please do so. You can either put it in the memo notes of your check or if you need an envelope, the usher will be happy to give you. envelope and you can put it on there that this is for the special offering and you know you can just put christian's name there amen all right let us lift up our ties and our offering before the lord today father we thank you so much for all of your provision for all of your blessing we thank you for your wisdom father god we thank you for who you are in our lives and god in heaven we just ask you today that you would lead us direct us strengthen us lord god in faith and help us, Lord God, to obey you. Father God, in the area of finances, Lord, I ask you to bless my brothers and my sisters. Father God, release the, 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 the open windows in their lives. And Lord God, let your blessing overtake them. And Lord God, may we be wise in our stewardship of your money. And Father, we give you thanks for all of your provision. I pray your blessing over every giver today. In the mighty and awesome name of Jesus, someone said.
1: Few announcements um, on Wednesday. We'll continue our Bible studies with Crown Ministries again. Uh, bishop is facilitating facilitating that. The service starts at seven fifteen with prayer. On Friday, Friday is Good Friday. There is a card in the lobby, and our bishop has been invited to go and preach at this church. Um, Fountainhead Baptist Church. All the information is there. They're going to be doing the seven last words on the cross. Uh, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and so on and so forth. Bishop, which one are you doing? My God, my God, my God why have thou forsaken me? So, bishops are going to do that one. Uh, we want to invite the church to please come out and support your bishop, your pastor, your leader um, at that church. Please pick up the card. If you need. Uh, directions, I'm sure Bishop can give those to you. Uh, also the youth asked to support this event. Pastor Chad will be at the church at six o'clock for prayer first of all, and then uh, the youth will be leaving from Faith Doma Fellowship to Fountainhead Baptist Church at 6:30 uh, for the special service. Um, feel free to ride with your parents if they are attending. Uh, bring a guest. Please. Also, this Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. There will be a sunrise service. Seek him early because this thing starts at six thirty in the morning at Canterbury Retreat. Okay, Bishop, are you um, opening up in prayer or okay, Bishop? We'll